So you have uh, a unique background. Most people who uh, do cycling media or cycling podcasts or former professionals and stuff like that. You know, what's your story? Yeah, I, I really wish that I was a former pro that went on to get a degree in physiology, but maybe in the next life I can take that path. But but yeah, my my story is um, around I was I own my own business. I worked insane hours. I got really, really unhealthy. Um, I even had a doctor tell me that basically if I didn't change my lifestyle, I was going to have a stroke soon and he was he was dead serious about that um, in 2008 I ended up having to close down my business it was a really hard part of my life really depressing and I took a little bit of the money I got from selling some of my equipment and I went out and bought what I thought was at the time was a really nice bike and I decided you know if I can't have this business anymore I'm gonna do something else and so I, I retook up my my youth passion of cycling and I got that bike and I, I started riding it a lot started getting in shape started trying to get my kids into it um, I owe a lot to that bike I remember that bike that that bike was was very brief I, I did a couple of my first Nike rides on that bike and um, I, I kind of have some fond memories we should establish my name's Joe Draper I'm I'm Dan's son um, we, uh, we we got into the bike riding when I was a sophomore in high school and I, I do remember those very early days just thinking that this sport was the craziest dumbest thing I could possibly think of yeah so next thing happened is um you know I, I was into the cycling I was just it was it was making a difference I was feeling belt healthy I was getting better um, and I I learned about high school cycling and and at this point, it was just brand new in the state. Very few people had heard of it. It was extremely small. And I learned about it. And I just knew that I had to get my kids involved in it one way or another. So um, so I got, I, long story, managed to get Joe into it, was super excited about it. Joe ended up getting super excited about it. And in that excitement, we ended up making about every mistake, every training mistake you could possibly make in the book. Like literally every mistake. We we laugh about it. Like we'll read we'll read these articles and stuff. Like oh we you know we did that. We could have been the subjects for like an experiment titled "How to Make the Worst Possible Competitive Cyclist." Yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, is it's like it seems like training would be intuitive. You know, it seems like if some is good, more is better. Um, the the harder you go, the faster. I mean, it just seemed we were just kind of doing intuitive training. And, and also back at that time, um, you know, if you ever read an article on, you know, if you Googled how to get fast on a bike or something, high intensity intervals were the answer back then. That yeah, just was, go sprint your guts out for a couple hours and you'll be winning World Cups before too long, yeah, right? That, that was, was kind of the was, insinuation of every single sports article in the cycling world. At, at that time. Um, you know, so... So Joe was, was super motivated. He was actually quite a strong and, and, and somewhat talented a athlete. Um, he was willing to do whatever it took. And um, he just did intensity all winter long. He entered early season races. He did intensity throughout the season. He was constantly going out and getting KOMs. And you know what? He was getting really, really fast. Um, it was pretty awesome. And then, lo and behold, 
um, he shows up for one of his first Nike races of this season and and he just sucked he sucked I sucked I sucked it was rough and I, I think the, the race we're probably talking about Vernal I think my first varsity year went pretty well we were pretty happy with that I raced varsity as um, as a junior uh, which at the time was was somewhat rare not a lot of folks were doing that and then my senior year, I remember we were driving from where we live in Salt Lake City out to Vernal, which is three-ish hours, two and a half, three hours east of Salt Lake, in the middle of nowhere. And I remember as we were driving, we were going through the, the start list and deciding where I would finish. And I remember we decided that I would finish fourth because I couldn't beat this guy, this guy, and this guy, but I could definitely beat all the other guys, right? And we went through and plotted out where we thought everyone on the team was going to finish too. And then we show up to that race, and I did not finish fourth. I think I finished 12th if I remember correctly. And I, I, I sprinted with this kid from my team who I just, I knew I was better than, right? And um, I remember finishing that race and just panicking, thinking like, what what did we do wrong, right? And in retrospect, the answer was like, everything, everything, right? Pretty much everything we could have possibly done wrong, we did. And uh, like you said, it felt intuitive. It felt good. Well, it didn't feel good, but it felt um, natural at the time. Well, and you did get really, really, really fast. Well, I got really good at sprinting because well, sprinting you, was what I did. You know? and, and you did get really, really fast, but, you know. Didn't, didn't you, ever translate you into weren't, anything well, meaningful. Well, he got really, really fast, but he wasn't fast at that race when he wanted to be, when it really counted and mattered. And, you know, so that that season ended up just being a total disaster, and that is a very major understatement. Oh, come on. I wouldn't um, say that. I pulled off six at Eagle Mountain. Well, no, and I'm not just that. talking about your, your results. I was talking about other things, but... I have an axe to grind, if you guys can't tell. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, his, his performance didn't improve too much, and, and I ended up... That's when I, I talked to a friend of mine who was a former cycling coach, and he had coached, I guess I could probably say his name, Bill Harris. He's a, he's a Maybird dad. Um, and he had coached a lot of the local pros and, you know, I talked to him and he knew instantly what Joe's problem was. It was no mystery to him. He didn't have to think about it. He didn't even have to think. I about was, it. I was a textbook example. He, he exactly. And Joe had overtrained and, and, I'll, and all you people listening to this probably picked that out before I revealed that. But, and, you know, and so I started studying a little bit about overtraining and realizing that Joe needed to rest more and, and we we had one race where I'm like Joe just just take the entire week off before the race and that the week uh, the, the when that race actually happened he actually got a good result and he did nothing leading up to it like zero um, but at that time we had an interesting high school coach that um, that did some interesting things to try and help with the overtraining problem he he prescribed some even shorter, higher intensity intervals that he had Joe do and um, obviously didn't help. So, so we kind of tried to cut ties with, with that coaching method and, and, and tried to seek more help from Bill. Um, but then fast forward to the state championship race. Uh, wasn't a great race for Joe. He did okay. He hung in there. He's a tough kid. But this, this is kind of a turning point for me, this, this moment, it was very pivotal for me. I was standing out on the race course all by myself watching the racers go by. I was watching the varsity race and there was a racer, Connor Patton. Connor Patton. Used to be just a Nike legend. He was leading the varsity field by 
at least a couple minutes. Which, and, for reference, if, if you know, like, is a, is an insanely strong field of writers, right? Just like the most psychotic 17-year-olds you've ever met that all weigh 130 pounds and have, you know, 350-watt FTPs. Like, that's no small feat to just cruise away from a field like that. And I remember as Connor rode by, I told him he was doing a good job. He didn't look like he was destroying himself. He just looked strong and confident and almost like he was having fun. He was just riding smooth and fast and just two minutes above all these other kids out there that are also really good athletes. And I just remember thinking that moment, okay, he knows something. I'm going to find out what he knows. <laughs> and from that moment on, I, I basically dedicated my life to to studying physiology. So I, I, I have like a stack of books I've read through. I, anything, anything, any study I could get my hands on, I, I could just not get enough of it. I, I just dedicated my life to finding out what made Connor so fast that day. And, um, and ever since then, I mean, that was probably what, like, 10 years ago, I don't know. Uh, it's like six or seven years ago. Okay, yeah, who knows? This seems like a long time. Um, but ever since then, that's, that's pretty much just been my passion. It's just, you know, during my lunch breaks, when I come home, I just, I just study as much as I can about how we can be better athletes. You know, what, what things we can do to make us better and what things we can do to make us worse. And it was, it was almost comical as, as I learned, I, I just realized we, you know, when, when Joe and I were just trying to go by common sense training we just textbook did everything wrong. And the funny thing is, is I see so many parents and so many kids still want to train by common sense. You know, like if you're going to ride hard, might as well ride hard. You know, if you're going to ride, might as well ride hard. Ride, ride more, right? Ride more. You know, um, I, uh, I, I remember you telling me the story of, of hearing a dad talk to a kid at a, at a pre-ride for some race and saying, oh, you got the race tomorrow. You got to work hard, you know, like as if, you know, um, and, and it really like it, it's really a shame when that happens, because I, I, I mean, you spend every waking moment preparing for this. You work so, so, so hard. And then when when, you know, there's little simple things that throw it off, that's really a shame when you kind of, you know, throw a lot of that work away. And, and I think for a lot of kids um, kind of create this really discouraging situation. where you have worked really hard for something. And there are these other kids who seem to know something that you don't who are working just as hard and getting better results. So. So that was a very pivotal moment for me. It, it, one of the most pivotal moments in my life. I, I'll never forget standing on that race course, watching Connor go by. And, you know, and looking back, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed about some of the stupid training mistakes we made. But those mistakes are sometimes making mistakes is the most solid way to learn a lesson. Um, the things that I learned through those mistakes, it's like I just know I'm like deep down in my soul and I'm super passionate about them. That's why I just love talking about like intensity distribution and 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 how important recovery is and, um, you know, just how, you know, high intensity is good, but in the right doses. And, um, and I'm just, you know, I just love to share it with people and, and, hopefully can prevent some of the things that Joe had to learn the hard way because we didn't know what we were doing. Essentially, this, this dovetailed into you founding a cycling team, which I think is kind of psychotic looking back, but you know, 
no regrets, obviously. But um, if you're not familiar, uh, Dan and I both uh, went on a, uh, I think it was, uh, God, it was winter of 2017. I graduated in 2017, right? So right after I finished high school, right after I finished my, my sort of NICA experience, we decided we wanted to kind of formalize this and figure out a way to, you know, take what at the time was like 20, 25 talented, dedicated kids and, and see if we could teach them some good lessons. And um, what, what are we up to this to you? Like over 200 or something like that? I think we're like 250 or more. Holy smokes. Yeah. And, and, and we decided that, you know, that uh, uh, it's, it's the age of the podcast and that, you know, if, if people don't have the, the time or the ability to you know, you know, parse through and dissect a scientific study over their lunch break, maybe they could listen to a podcast instead. So um, I, we, I mean, we should say we're not here to provide medical advice. You know, neither of us have uh, degrees in this, but, you know, like I said, we've made every single mistake and ideally we can help people, you know, prevent making, you know, the same mistakes that we had to, you know, really kind of, like you said, learn the hard way from. Yeah. And that's always been one of my biggest goals with Maybird is, is educating the writers. I don't, um, and we'll talk more about this in the future, but I, I really think that athletes need to be educated. Even if they have a coach telling what to do, they need to at least have a good understanding of why. And, um, and so throughout their athletic career, they can make wise decisions. So education's always been a super important part of the Maybird Club. And we just thought a podcast would be a good, convenient way to, to help provide more education opportunities. Um, and we should say too, that it, we're not only going to talk about training, you know, training is a big part of what we do. I, I personally am, am not, you know, I don't have the same passion for training and physiology that Dan does, but I, you know, there, there are things that he doesn't give a crap about like bikes and, and racing and some of the, you know, kind of cultural at lifestyle aspects of cycling that I'm, I'm more interested in too. So, um, you know, I like to think of it as Dan's going to feed you your vegetables, your important training stuff or whatever. And I get into the fun stuff, right. You know, cool bikes and racing and stuff like that. Dan probably sees it differently. Yeah. I but think going fast is a lot of fun too. So, well, you're a dork. So there you go. But you know, another, th- another thing to point out is, is obviously there's other cycling podcasts. Um, but this one is more geared towards youth and young adult cyclists and to those that work with youth and young adult cyclists. And most of it's about the same, but I think there are a few considerations you should you should be mindful of when dealing with youth and young, young adult cyclists. Yeah, it's kind of true because most of the media that exists in the cycling world is, is geared at, frankly, like retired dentists, 50-ish year old white dudes, you know, from certain parts of the world. Like, I, I do think that there's uh, hopefully something that we can provide, um, you know, in terms of unique a- insight with people and you're not not even just beginners but like young people the kind of psychology behind a young person doing this the kind of sort of nika style of of mountain bike racing that we do um you know so we we do think there's some important insights to be shared there yeah yeah so we've got a lot of good things we want to talk about this is just kind of a first introductory episode but a lot of topics i'm really excited to to discuss and i think this will be a good good thing it'll be fun Well, if not, we learned how to use podcast gear, right? Exactly. Talk to you guys soon.